The Lord be with you. Let us pray for our catechumens. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. Almighty and everlasting God, who dost continually enrich thy church with a new offspring, increase the faith and understanding of our catechumens, that they, being born again in the water of baptism, may be numbered among the sons of thine adoption, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So one of the, the things that I was asked to cover was what's expected of us. Now that's a pretty broad topic. And last week I covered um, some of the things that we have as spiritual tools. What do I mean by spiritual tools? They're, they're things that help us move along in our spiritual life. So for example, uh, there was a demon that the apostles couldn't cast out. And they said, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, this kind can only be cast out by what two spiritual tools? Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Okay, so those are spiritual tools that we use to help us in our, in our discipline. Um, we use our whole bodies in, 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 in worship, right? So when we are in church, we sit, we stand, we do all kinds of things. So today I want to kind of go over some of that in detail I also want to cover, um, today's kind of thing is etiquette. That's what I'm kind of covering today. Um, what we do when we go and visit another church, whether it's Orthodox or non-Orthodox. Um, I was, you know, we had Father uh, Robert's mother's funeral Thursday, and we went over to uh, Church of the Holy Apostles. And I, I realized, okay, Maybe not everybody knows what to do when we go visit a non-Orthodox church. And for those of you who are catechumens, you may run into the situation where you go back and visit the church that you previously came from or, or some other church, and we need to cover that. So, this is a very detailed list. I'm going to go over it once. You're expected to remember it for the rest of your lives. And there will be a test. So... Now, I actually will try to see if I can put this list up uh, on maybe the Facebook group. I did uh, adapt this actually from um, some other material, so, uh, but I have it here uh, in Google Docs, so I, it's easy for me to make a separate thing and post it. So, when we come to church, on, first I'm going to cover what happens when we come to church here. Okay. So what should we do? First of all, we should be early. Please don't be late to Mass. Okay? If you can, make it to Matins. Matins uh, is underrated uh, by a lot of people. There are some beautiful things in Matins. Um, sometimes the lessons in Matins, often when I'm looking at the lessons in Matins, I want to preach off that instead of the lessons that we get in, um, in the liturgy because uh, we don't hear those as often. A lot of times in Matins, it'll be from the Old Testament, for example. Um, so we get some really interesting lessons there. But if you can make it for matins, make it for matins. If your son is serving as an acolyte, they need to be here, back here at 8.45. Not in the parking lot at 8.45, back here at 8.45. So it always helps to be early. And I know with families and all, it's like, okay, who's not ready? we got to get everything going. And those of you who are blessed with large families, you know, it compounds the difficulty. But just do your best to be here as early as you can. Um, you'll never beat Deacon here, so don't worry about it. Um, when we enter the church, when we go into the narthex, 
we are entering sacred space. Okay, so um, the prayer there's there's the icons in the narthex and the kneelers. Uh, if you want to say a prayer specifically for someone and light a candle for them, that's a place to do it. Um, it's always good to reverence the icons. Maybe say a prayer in front of each one. Uh, but that's a place that we prepare to enter into the nave. Okay, that's the purpose of the narthex. Uh, I think we've talked about in, in earlier church history, the narthex was much larger, and it served more purposes. <clears throat> but we kind of truncated it now, so we do the best we can with a smaller space. When we enter the church, you'll notice on the, on the left and right side, there are two little holy water fonts. Okay. What are those for? Well, when you walk in, dip your fingers in and make the sign of the cross. Why do we do that? Okay. We do that as a reminder of our baptism. Okay. Because remember, when you made a catechumen, what do, we, what do we ask you to do? You take your first step into the church. Okay. And so the blessing of the holy water reminds us of that entry into the church and of our baptismal covenant that we've made. When you get to your pew... I told you this was going to be detailed, so make sure to memorize it. When you get to your pew, what do we do? We genuflect. Why? To who? Okay, so, so the only time we don't genuflect on entering the pew is, is if you look at the, up above the altar to the left, there's the, the, the lamp of the sacrament. Okay? The blessed sacrament. It's the lamp of the presence, we call it. And it's always lit, except for one day a year, which is Holy Saturday. That's the only day you don't genuflect going into a pew. Okay? So we genuflect in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Why? Jesus is literally in the building. Okay? So we always genuflect entering the, uh, the pew, going in. We genuflect coming out of the pew, because we're getting ready to approach. Usually... And the time we, we exit the pew is because we're getting ready to approach the altar. Okay? And then we genuflect when we come back in. We genuflect when we leave. Okay? Um, anytime you cross the center of the church, you're supposed to genuflect. That gets a little awkward if you're crossing back and forth a lot. So sometimes a profound bow or, you know, a bow, some kind of mark of reverence is, is good. Okay, the screen timeout on this is way too short. Here we go. <laughs> When you enter the pew, what should you do? You should kneel, and you should say a prayer. Say your private prayers. That's a good time for private prayers. When you first enter the church, when you've genuflected and you've entered the pew, kneel for some private prayers. Then if we still have some time before matins or, or masses start, then you can sit and maybe you know, look at the bulletin, whatever. But the first thing we should always do is pray. That's why we're here. We're here to pray. And that's a good time to make your private prayers. <coughs> Okay, when we start the procession, the hymn starts, we, all, we should be standing, um, because we stand at attention. Uh, when the cross comes past you in either coming into the church or, or coming out, you always bow. Just make a simple bow. Why is that? Because the crucifix, it's always a crucifix, is a visible symbol of Christ's sacrifice. Okay, so it's like it's reverencing Christ. So we make that bow. If there's a bishop when he's entering the church, you bow because he is the visible symbol of the authority of the church, right? Um, and and he is the shepherd of the flock. Okay, 
So Father Mark and Deacon Ken and I, we are, we're kind of delegates, okay? <clears throat> Through our nation, we have had certain, certain duties delegated to us by the bishop. But the bishop, where the bishop is, St. Ignatius says, is the church, okay? So when the bishop's here, he's not a guest. We've just welcomed him home because this is his house, Okay? So we remain standing when the, when, the, when the priest makes the sign of the cross at the beginning of Mass. We do so ourselves. Um, when we start the Asperges, when, when, when you get sprinkled, you can bow and make the sign of the cross. Um, I'm gonna, there's terms all through here, and if you don't know what one of the terms means, ask me. Right? So when I say the confidior, does everybody know what the confidior is? Okay, it's the prayers that we say at the, at the foot of the altar, okay? And confidior, a lot of the names for our prayers come from the first word, either in Greek or Latin. So like when we say the Kyrie, that means Lord have mercy, because that's Kyrie's Lord in Greek. Confidior is, is when we say, I believe, or, or, or I confess to God Almighty, to Blessed Mary, or Virgin, you know, those prayers that we say at the foot of the altar. Um, if you're saying those with us, we don't, they're not meant to be public prayers. That's why we don't say them out loud and lead everybody in them. They're meant to be for the altar party. But if you and your piety want to say them along with us. Um, anybody ever heard the phrase mea culpa? Yeah. You know where that comes from? Yeah, it comes God. from this prayer. All right. It, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. Right? It means, and when we we're confessing, we say, I confess to God Almighty, to Blessed Mary, through my fault, by my own fault, by my own most grievous fault. And it's traditional there to strike one's breast as a symbol of humility. Okay? The reason I'm going through all of this is because I'm sure every single one of us at some point has seen someone do one of these things and wondered why. And should I be doing it myself? How do we normally learn how to do these things? We copy the person next to us. Okay? But I want us not to just do that by rote. I want us to understand why we're doing this. So, um, at the end of those prayers, uh, Father gives an absolution. We didn't do it today because Father wasn't here. And one of those duties assigned that's delegated to a priest, but not a deacon, is to bless and to give absolution. Okay? So, deacon can, neither Deacon Ken nor I can give you absolution. All right? We can say, we can put our arm around you and say, God, forgive us. But we can't say, God forgives you. The only person here that can do that is Father Mark. Because that is one of the, the charisms of the gifts of the priesthood. Okay? So, um, we go through the service. Uh, anytime you hear the name of Jesus in the service, the scripture says that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. Now, as many times as we mention Jesus during Mass, that would get a little awkward. So we bow. We bow at the name of Jesus. What does that serve? One, it reverences Jesus, but two, it also serves a, a secondary purpose. A lot of these things that we do, yes, they have a theological meaning, but they also serve a, a practical purpose as well. If we're listening for the name of Jesus... <laughs> throughout the Mass, and we remember to bow our heads, what does that do? It helps us pay attention. Yes? 
That's not an Eastern practice, no. No, that's a Western practice. No. Some of the, now, and, I'm, and a lot of this is what I'm telling you is only Western right. There are different practices in the East. <coughs> For example, um, at the name of the Trinity, when we say glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, in the West, we will bow our head. That's our Western practice. The Eastern practice is to make the sign of the cross. Okay? Either is acceptable. But when you're in the Western Rite Church, bow your head. When you're in Eastern Rite Church, you know, I'll forget sometimes, and I'll, you'll see me crossing myself, but that's, it's okay. Okay? But we do have different practices. For example, in the East, they don't genuflect. All right? We have a guest here from, from a Greek church. He's, he's learning all this brand new from us and going, wait, is this an Orthodox church I wandered into? <laughs> Uh, is it in East or West that St. George is in Houston? St. George is an Eastern Church, Father James Shadid. Yes. So, um, but down the street, there is St. Paul's in Katy, which is a Western Rite Church. So, we have both here in Texas. So, whenever we mention Jesus, just make a, you know, bow your head. And it, it helps me, that's how it helps me, is I'm always like, you know, Jesus, okay, I gotta, you know, and it helps me keep awake. <laughs> so, especially if I've been up till, till 2 in the morning because Father Mark called me yesterday afternoon wanting me to preach. So, <laughs> um, then uh, we also, during if we're doing the Gloria, what now, are we doing the Gloria now during liturgy? No, why? Because it's Lent. Because it's Lent. Okay. So during Lent and Advent, we don't do the Gloria. When we do the Gloria, the other time that we, we always bow our head is when we ask the Lord to receive our prayer. Okay, so you see us do that. We sit for the epistle, so we can be attentive and listen to the epistle. All right, but we stand for the gospel. Why? What's different between the gospel and, and the epistle? It's the words of Jesus. Yeah, almost always the gospel is going to be the words of Jesus. So literally, it's the word of the Lord, and we're, we're hearing, right? So we stand for the gospel. Then we sit for the homily. No, so let me, tell, let me mention this. We have some confusion still ongoing about when to stand for the gospel. Okay? Technically, one would stand for the gospel at the beginning of the Alleluia verse. But there's two problems with that here. Well, not just here, but there's two problems with that. One is, during Lent, we don't have an Alleluia verse. We have, a, we have a, a tract and we have a gradual. Okay? The other problem is, sometimes, the Alleluia, or, or actually the, the, uh, the, the gradual, is very, very long. Right? How many of you were here at Bill Hip's funeral? Right? If you were here, if you've been at one of our Requiem Masses, we sing, before the gospel, the D.S. Ray. It's 20 verses. Okay? So oftentimes, if it's a long gradual, you won't see Father stand. So here's the rule of thumb that I like to use. When you see Father stand up for the gospel, that's the time to stand. Okay? 
So today it was pretty quick. It's right, at, you know, so normally that'll be like almost right after the epistle usually. You know, so today when Deacon got up to, to get the gospel, that's a good time to stand. So whenever, whenever Father stands, let's all stand for the gospel. Either sometimes they're incensing at that point. Father's turning and got the incense. Mm, no, no, he's he he'll he'll be setting the the incense, but then we'll process out for the gospel. So when he stands to do that, what go is ahead and stand. Yeah, just go ahead and stand at that point. Okay. Yeah, because it doesn't take very long, and by that way you're already standing when 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 the procession comes out. So that way there's just if we all do it at the same time and we just follow Father's lead, then we won't have people looking around. Wait, am I supposed to be standing or not? And We'll all be on the same page. Um, one of the things you'll see that when either Deacon or I announce the gospel, we'll say the continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, right? You'll see us do this. Okay? Actually, we'll mark the gospel first, but then you'll see us do this. It's, and, and that is a good thing to do. You do it yourself. It, it's, uh, you trace your, the cross on your head, your mouth, and then your heart. And that's Christ be with, Christ be in my head, in my mouth, and I'm in my heart. Okay. Yes. Do you know the origin of that? I do not. Yeah, I've heard it was German, but I don't know. Well, well then it's good. Then it then it then it's good, says the guy whose family is all half half Lutheran, Missouri Synod. So, um, right. So we sit for the homily. Um, what did it just do? We sit for the homily and remember to listen for the name of Jesus so we don't fall asleep during the homily, and uh, especially if it's mine. And so then, um, where did I go? All right. So we are now at the creed. Okay. As soon as the homily is over, we all stand. Move out the name of Jesus. There's also another point where the Trinity is mentioned kind of indirectly. It's who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. So we bow for that. Okay. We genuflect during when? And came down from heaven and was incarnate. Why? Because it's a memory of the incarnation. Okay. By the power of the Holy Spirit and was made man. And then, at the end, we say, I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We cross ourselves in hoping that we are in the resurrection of the dead. Uh, we sit during the offertory after, after he says you may be seated. Here's another time that it's kind of awkward because every church is different, but, but here's, what we're gonna, here's what I've noticed we all do anyway, so let's just all agree on it. <laughs> when do we stand? We stand usually now when the acolyte comes to get the plates, right? Sounds good to me. <laughs> okay. Need to slow down at the altar because I was always told years ago you stand before they start sensing. And y'all are sensing before the ushers bring the money forward. So people are sitting while they're sensing. Now, you need to be standing when we come to sense you, and I haven't noticed that. I've noticed that usually by the time we're done sensing and 
the acolyte comes out to sense the congregation that everybody's, everybody's already standing by then. But when he sits in the altar, they're still sitting. Yeah. Yeah. See, my problem is also that the, the choir is also usually singing the offertory anthem still. Okay, so we'll put that one on hold. We'll take it up. I'll kick it upstairs, yes. It used to be that the choir would end that last song. Well, it depends on it depends on the length of the song, and we don't want to be waiting and you know drag things out. While if 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 they're singing a long anthem, we don't want to drag things out and not be doing anything just because they're still singing. Maybe that one would be when in Fort Worth do his Fort Worth. <laughs> so when in Fort Worth, we'll just stand when the altar, when the acolyte comes and gets the plates. How about that? Because that's what we're doing anyway, right? That's what we've been doing. I'll change it. I know we're not going to change it. Okay, so um, when when. Some, if you ever get, when you're sensed, not when you're incensed, incense, that means you're mad. When you're sensed, it is always customary that, that the thurifer and whoever is being sensed bow to each other, he senses, and then you bow again. So, when he comes out to the, to the crossing and is ready, he'll, you'll notice he bows. You should all bow at that point to him. He, he'll sense the whole congregation and then bow again when he's done. Okay, that's just mutual respect, back and forth. Okay, so then we kneel for the prayers of the people. Um, it's customary to make the sign of the cross at, be filled with thy grace and heavenly benediction, because we're hoping to be filled with grace. Okay, and then at the, at the, at the end of the confession, after the confession, when Father is giving the absolution, again, if you don't know what any of these terms mean, let me know. The absolution, everybody knows what the absolution is? Okay. <clears throat> when he says, when he says, pardon and deliver you, he'll make the sign of the cross over us and we receive it. Okay. With the sign of the cross. We stand until, we stand after the comfortable words. Everybody know what the comfortable words are? How do they, it's the ones right after the confession. Here, uh, Hear what, what St. Paul saith, you know, that, those, those. Hear what St. John saith, those are the comfortable words. They're supposed to comfort us. Um, until the end of the Sanctus, everybody knows what the Sanctus is? Holy, 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 blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And then we kneel. Okay, we kneel all the way through the end of, of the Eucharistic prayer, the anaphora. Uh, this is another term for that. When Father elevates the elements, okay, you'll notice we, that those of us at the altar, we genuflect, he elevates, and we genuflect, right? So when he elevates, we cross ourselves, okay? Why? Because this is about to be the, the body, this is in the process of becoming the body and blood of Christ. Yes, sir? Don't we bow at the song to Yes, we do bow at the song too, so I forgot to mention that. Yes. And we cross ourselves with a second. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, because hopefully we're the ones coming in the name of the Lord. If we're not, we're in trouble. 
for coming in somebody else's name, then we are in trouble. So yes. Um, and this list may be not complete because, like I said, I adapted it from some some th another list, and so I had to change some things in it. Um, when we so we keep going, we're still kneeling. We kneel all the way through our Father who art in heaven, but deliver us from evil. Make the sign of the cross. Okay. Um, when we when when finally at we get to the peace. Now we didn't do the peace today because Father wasn't here. Um, but you'll see he'll say the peace of the Lord be always with you and with with thy spirit. We sing that. We still are kneeling for that. But then after he says the next prayer, you'll see him turn to the deacon, place his hands on his shoulders, and say the peace of the Lord be always with you. At that point, we stand and we exchange the peace. Okay. Now. We don't have a problem with this here, so don't anybody think I'm talking to them. We, the peace really should just be turn to the people around you, left, right, front, back. You can exchange the peace, okay? Thank God we don't have the problem of people thinking it's a mini social hour where they wander all over and group hug and this, that, and the other. We don't have that problem here, thank God. And we don't give you time anyway, because Father and I wait about 10 seconds, and then we say, we do not presume to come to this right table and worship the Lord. We do not presume that we want to give peace to the guys. This is, this is, the, this, yeah, and this is known as the prayer of humble access, so immediately we should all be back kneeling, okay? Um, so, then we sing the Agnus Dei. Does everybody know it? Yes. The peace of the Lord be always with you, and with thy spirit, is what we use at the altar, and that's perfectly fine to use in the pews, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to do the back, you know, the, you know, the secret handshake, whatever, you know, yeah. Peace of the Lord be always with you. No, and that, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. So, uh, the Agnus Day, everybody knows what that means? O Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Um, it is customary when we sing, have mercy upon us, again, to strike our breast as a sign of humility. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. This is a Western practice. If they did it in the Eastern Rite, when they say, Lord, have mercy 40 times, they'd be giving themselves CPR. <laughs> okay. Um, then when, when Father turns, he'll, he'll take his own communion. Okay, he'll take communion first. Um, and then he'll take the host and, and the chalice turn and say, Behold the Lamb of God. Okay? So at that point, it's customary to cross ourselves. And then it's also customary, oh, this thing keeps going back to class 6. We're in class 28. So, um, well, I think I know why. Okay. Hold on, let me get back to class 28. When we, um, when he's, oh I'm going to hurt this thing. Here we go. Okay. There we go. Now it shouldn't do it anymore. Okay. Um, when we say, Domine non sub dignus. We all say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the royal way. <laughs> Lord, I am not worthy. 
And again, in humility, we bow our heads and strike our breasts. Lord, I am not worried that thou shouldst come into my roof, but speak the word only, and my soul shall be healed. Okay? Um, why? We are, we are now in the presence of Christ in the, in the flesh, and body and blood, there on the altar. Okay? Um, and we're about to receive him. When it is time to receive, we wait for the usher, we leave the pew, we genuflect, we come to the altar. Okay. Um, always go as far to the right as you can. Now, if you're on whichever side that you are, okay. So we always fill in from right to left. If you're receiving a blessing, if you only want, you know, if you're not receiving communion, you just need a blessing that day. Normally, you'll go to the left. Okay. No matter what side you're sitting on. Why is that? Because it's a pre. Yeah. We only have Father Mark, and he's and he always does the left side. Okay. Again, that's one of those those things that neither Deacon Ken and I can do. All right. So today, when if you didn't receive communion, you may like I said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's basically me putting putting my arm around you and saying, God help us. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we can do because we're not priests. Okay. So anyone can give a blessing, though. Is it a, it's a different type of blessing? Yes. Category. Yeah. So, for example, anybody can bless the food, pretty yeah. much. You know, but but it is a different category. Yes. Okay. And especially in lieu of communion. Okay. Same with the blessing at the end of liturgy. You notice we didn't do that today. So it's directly connected to communion. Is is the reason it's a different category? Because you could yeah anyone can bless just like a Christian can. Christian oh sure. Or, or baptize someone. Well, now a Christian can baptize, but not chrismate. Not chrismate. No, 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 I didn't mean. That's that. reserved. That's that's reserved for. Normally, it's reserved for the bishop, but he delegates it to the priest. And anyone can give a blessing, but this is a, a blessing that's specifically tied to the Eucharist. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a liturgical blessing. Gotcha. It's a liturgical blessing. So, um, yes. So, um, normally you go, but always fill in, if there's empty space, and you see like two people are in the middle, first look to see if, if one of us is signaling you, hey, come here, come here, but when in doubt, go, go to the right. So if you're going on the left side, fill in from the middle to the wall. If you're coming to the right side, fill in from the wall to the middle, okay? It just helps the traffic flow. Um... To receive communion. Um, here's, here's, this is personal now for me. Because I have a bad eye. And therefore I have no depth perception. So you may see me coming towards you like this. <laughs> it's like trying to make a carrier landing in, in a stormy sea. So if you could just stick your tongue out a little bit, and that way I can, I can put it on there, right? Um, uh, that way I don't have to try to get it all the way into the hangar. <clears throat> uh, so, if you're carrying a child, um, just let us know if they are going to receive or not. Um, some children I know, uh, uh, we, we dip our finger in the wine and just do it that way. Someone will see, receive a sliver. Um, just remind us, because it's been a week. Um, since we last did it. <clears throat> so, um, and then if you are receiving a blessing, the best way to do that is if you're not going to receive communion, but you come up, 
Just do this. Hold your hand vertically over your mouth. This works eastern right or western right. Because you're physically blocking your mouth, the priest is not going to try to give you communion. <laughs> okay? It used to be in the western right that, that our custom was this. Well, guess what? In the eastern right, that's how you receive communion. <laughs> so in our first 20 years, we were very confused when someone would come up like this, especially if they were visiting. So just do this. And this works at a West Eastern Night Church, too. Okay? Then, yes? Uh, back, to, back to receiving the communion. Yes. Uh, when you go to the communion rail, when the priest or the deacon has the host ready to give it to you, if you would open your mouth and, and, and stick out your tongue a little bit, yeah. so we'll have a place to put that, put that host. Yeah. And remember, we're the ones that put it on your tongue. You don't have right. to go for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no snapping turtles, please. <laughs> now, is there any uh, thought on doing the sign of the cross after communion or before? It's appropriate both times. Just both? make sure you're make sure you've done it. If you're doing it before, make sure you've done it before, not you know, then you're done yeah. by the time we get there. Because we don't want to be coming like this and you're all of a sudden trying to do Blocking our landing pattern. <laughs> right. I always thought that when he said uh, this is the body of Christ, that the appropriate response was to say amen. In other words, I believe and then receive it. Is that, is that any kind of... There, there really doesn't need to be a response. There is, okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We will say, Corpus et sanguis dominus nostrum Jesu Christum, custodiat animum tuum and vitam eternum. I never heard you say that. <laughs> the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve thy body and soul under everlasting life and just receive in silence now I have heard people say especially like it's because it's an Easter practice um, people will say my Lord and my God uh, that's fine too you know whatever that that tends to be a matter of personal piety but but and how are you? How are you want to develop that? Basically, sometimes it depends on what tradition you came from, and you're bringing that in from wherever you came from, and that's okay. Okay. Um, we have some people still doing this. That's okay too. We used to receive in the hand. We don't anymore. We receive by intention. Okay. One, we found it's a lot quicker. But two, I think we originally did it out of necessity because we, you know, once we start didn't have, it was just the three of us basically and the subdeacon. So we always receive by intention now, so we don't have to worry about receiving by the hand. Receiving by the hand is actually fairly new. It's not, it's not part of the ancient tradition of the church. Um, so let's see. Okay, so when you go back to your pew, genuflect, the, the proper stance, and this is something that has, has been one of my things for a long time now. Um, the pro- there's two proper ways to be after communion. Kneeling, or if you're not able to kneel that long, sit. Okay? At some point, and thank God we've kind of gotten away with, from this, um, we turned after communion into a, in, into a sing-along jamboree um, with him, you know, all the hymns and everything, and and we were like singing Onward Christian Soldiers and all kinds of boisterous hymns. The proper thing after communion is um, that is a time that you have just received into yourself Jesus Christ. Okay? It is a time for contemplation. It is a time especially 
for prayer. It is a time especially for intercessory prayer. Okay, Having just received Christ into yourself, that is a perfect time to pray for those who you know are sick, that you know need prayer, that you, you know, even if, and it may be yourself. Okay? I've had, if I had my druthers, and Father knows this, I'm speaking in the recording, if you'll hear, um, I would swap the offertory anthem and the communion anthem. I did a communion anthem and we would sing hymns during the offertory because I think that's more appropriate. We're not there yet, but, you know. But it is a time after communion for contemplation, for prayer. So kneeling or sitting is, is the appropriate thing. If you can kneel, kneel. Um, but if you can't, sit. So, um, I make it... But when the hymn begins, we automatically stand, even though other people are... Standing. I would just sit to sing them. I, I just sit to sing those hymns. The white book says either, yes. Yes, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying it, but I'm recording this for Father, but, but that's, you know, I just... I, Standard kneel. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes that direction is actually pretty. I know. I know. I know, and that's a hard one for me. Peter. Yeah. Sometimes, if everybody's standing, the ushers can't see how. And the yeah. People are moving. Right. Right. But but, let me put it this way: as we were going back to when in Fort Worth, do as Fort Worth does. That was something we were doing in Fort Worth. I have never seen people standing after communion at any other church. That was a shock. And he's telling me it was a shock when he came here. Shock to me. Yeah. So that's one of those. It only started several years ago, and 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 hopefully it will fade away. Yes. What? Well, like like I said, the only reason to be sitting is if you can't sit or if you have a baby on your lap. You should sit if you have a baby on your lap. But but the preferred preference in, in the church has always been to be kneeling in the presence of the sacrament. Okay. And it's yes. a time for prayer. So it is a time for prayer. If you could, if you could pray for three so minutes. So you know, even if the pimp, even if you, I'll put it this way to you too. You'll see me do this, even if, if you know, if I'm not serving communion. But, but even if the hymns were already going on, I go back and I kneel and I pray. And then I think about joining into the hymn. But don't ever skip those prayers because that's actually the... If you look at, 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 at you know, various writings, that's the best time for intercessory prayer on your, on your, on your part. Yes, sir. So when we, go, when we have multiple hymns, do we stand the hymn? I may have to kick this one again upstairs, but so let's label this one Deacon Peter's personal preferences, <laughs> and Father may change that and 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 tell you otherwise. But but the tradition of the church is we kneel unless we can't kneel because we're either old or we have a baby on our lap or whatever, and then you sit. Okay, I know in this church we've been standing because we've been doing the hymns, but. I'm hoping we revisit that. How about we, we put it that way? I've seen people do both. Mm -hmm. and, and some people sit because they don't want to stand. 
Mm -hmm. You're not going to make us all do everything. I can't make you do anything. No, I know. I'm just. Some people might change. It's possible. I don't. You know, I'm just. It's possible. I'm just relaying what we're. Right. So, um, we do, but we should be kneeling anyway for the next prayer, which is the prayer after Thanksgiving, right? Okay. So we're going to be kneeling for that anyway, um, and then we, uh, when Father blesses us. Peace of God, which passes all understanding. We cross ourselves for that to receive the blessing. Um, we stand for the last gospel. Um, we sit for the announcements. We're usually standing again if he's doing birth, birthday and anniversary prayers. But then we sit for the announcements. But then we stand again when he announces the closing hymn because we're going to be uh, recessing. We bow in reverence to the crucifix as it's passing. If a bishop is present and he's processing out, normally we genuflect. Why? Because normally he'll be blessing on the way out. Okay? Um, then we, you know, after the hymn is done, Father says the prayers at the back, we should be kneeling for those prayers. Uh, after we're done with that and it's time to go uh, out, we genuflect when we leave the pew and, and go out. Um, again, leaving the church, you can make the sign of the cross with the holy water. Take, as I always tell Wilson, take a single piece of bread. <laughs> one piece. Don't dig around for the one you want. And then remember also, and I'm bad about this too, but, but let's try to remember, especially during Lent, we leave in silence. Um, the North East is not a social gathering place. This is the social gathering place. Or outside is social gathering. So um, when we leave, wait till you're out of the North East and all to say, hey, how you doing? Whatever, right? You know, we'll greet people at the door if it's not Lent. But otherwise, wait till you get outside to start meeting and greeting everybody. Okay. Um, general notes. No chewing gum, food, or drink in the nave. We should never be chewing gum during liturgy. Okay, um, especially you shouldn't have food or drink because why? We're supposed to be fasting from midnight on, right? And again, remember when we say you're supposed to be fasting, that's for those of us who are bound to the fast and we aren't infirm, aged, etc., etc. Okay. Um, there was an elderly man and and Lawrence, and he would go to breakfast every morning before liturgy. And uh, one morning, he was at breakfast, and a firefighter looked at him and said, Sir, I think you need to go to the hospital, because he hadn't realized his cigar had lit his polyester shirt on fire, and he had second-degree burns. So he wasn't at church that morning. So um, there's the nave and the sanctuary, right, with the altar rail dividing, Okay. Um, no one should be in the sanctuary unless they have business there. That's true, Eastern Rite or Western Rite. Okay, you don't go behind the Iconostas, don't come behind the altar rail unless you have business there. Right? Like the exceptions today were, you know, um, Jillian came up to read, she had business there. Um, if you see a visitor, like I said during the homily, if you see a visitor that's unsure of what they're doing, please offer to help. That's always appropriate. Always appropriate. Um, and when in doubt, pray.
pray quietly. Just when in doubt, if you don't know what, what to do, just pray. Okay, so that's what to do when you're here. Now there's two other situations I want to cover very quickly. Um, if you're visiting another Orthodox church, okay, much of what I just said does not apply for Eastern Rite because, like I said, they have their own customs. They don't genuflect. They, they make the sign of the cross at the, at the mention of the Trinity, not, not bow. Okay. Um, hopefully, if you're unsure of yourself, they'll peg you as a visitor and someone will offer to assist. Uh, if not, um, just follow along. You will notice after a while, you think, oh my God, where are we? Especially if it's, um, especially if it's Orthros or Matins, I mean, or, or Vespers, that, that where are we in the service? Don't worry about it, just follow along. Um, one helpful hint for the Eastern Rite, and I'm sure our visitors can, can attest to this, um, when the deacon or the priest says, let us complete our prayer unto the Lord, you're only about halfway through. That's right. <laughs> you got another 45 minutes to go. And five litanies. And five litanies. One of the things, yeah. So one of the things that, like, in the Eastern Rite versus the Western Rite, when, when Father says the three collects, right? In Eastern Rite, you'll see three actinias, they call them. The three litanies. Okay? So that's kind of one of my rules is whenever in doubt, when we would say a collect, they say an actinia. You know? So, but it's the same liturgy. Once you, once you experience both a few times, you realize it's the same, the same bones, they're just fleshed out differently. Okay, it's the same liturgy. Um, if you're visiting another town, or even in this town, but, but normally if you're visiting another town, and you, you're planning on vacation, and you're planning to go to a church, call the priest. Let him know you're coming. Because what you don't want to run into is, I'm standing here and I'm the priest and I've got the chalice and the spoon, and you walk up to me and I have no idea who you are. Okay? If it does happen, normally they'll say, are you orthodox? And you say, yes. If they really want to press, they'll say, who's your bishop? Because in the United States, that's how we identify each other. As orthodox. We say, who's your bishop? Now, I'm going to give you this tip. If you say Bishop John, they may not know who he is, especially if you're going to a Greek church or an OCA church or someplace else, right? This is also not the time to instruct the priest on the wonders of the Western Rite. <laughs> oh, well, I go to a Western Rite church, and they're going to be like, oh, okay. Because they may not, they literally may not know what that is. Sad to say, and, and you know, but that's not the time. They ask, who's your bishop? The safest answer is always Metropolitan Joseph. Metropolitan Joseph. Because the Greeks will know who Metropolitan Joseph is. The OCA will know who Metropolitan Joseph is. Okay? Technically, he is our bishop, and all the others are auxiliaries. So when in doubt, say Metropolitan Joseph. Okay? But, but again, it always helps to tell the priest before that you're coming. You know? At least, maybe if you can even catch him before four mountains or whatever. Um, Inglewood, New Jersey, which is a Just suburb. It's across the river from New York City. <laughs> hmm? Just in case they ask a follow-up question, where is he based out of? <laughs> he's, he's based out of New York. 
Yeah, he's based down in New York. He's, yeah. Yeah. Who won the world? Oh, won the Cowboys. So what do I care? You know. So, yes. Eastern also, you're supposed to say your. Oh yes, thank you. So what'll happen is, um, if you've never taken communion, I had to give communion for the first time like that uh, when Bishop John was over at St. Constantine Helen. So normally what will happen is you'll walk up and probably maybe what you'll hear is they'll say, the servant of God, yes. and they're waiting for a response. Don't say amen then. No. You, give your, you, give your, yeah, you give the name with which you were chrismated. Maybe your regular name, maybe, you know, like me, I, I took a different name. You know, I took Peter. So I say, you know, now I would say Deacon Peter, the Deacon Peter, or the Subdeacon Sam, or, you know, but, but if, you know, just say... Just say your name, okay? And then they will probably say, the servant of God, or the handmaid of God, receive, you know, whatever your name is, receives the precious body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the remission of sins and unto life everlasting. Okay? All right. So, no, thank you for that. When in doubt, say your name. Just, it always helps. Um, and it, it is with a spoon. So, again, they're just... Uh, tip your mouth and you don't have to come some, it depends, it's a little trickier some of them expect you to close your mouth on the spoon some will just turn it and, and empty it into your mouth depends on the priest, depends on the person so it's kind of this negotiation <laughs> you can always close your mouth on the turned over spoon yeah, you can always close your mouth on the turned over spoon okay now, when visiting a non-orthodox church This gets into the concept of ecumenism, okay? And we are not guilty of the pan-heresy of ecumenism, no matter what some of our more fundamentalist brothers and sisters will say, because there's two different kinds of ecumenism, okay? There's the honest kind and the dishonest kind, I like to call them. The honest kind is when, is, is for example, we have dialogues with the Roman Catholic Church. And we'll sit and we'll say, okay, this is what we believe. What do you believe? And they'll say, well, this is what we believe. And then we try to figure out why we believe different things. And we try to work it out. And the end result of all that, hopefully, God willing, one day will be communion. Yes. But that's the end of the process. Okay? And sadly, we're nowhere near that yet. That's honest ecumenism. The dishonest kind of ecumenism, that I, and I use that term, is a more Protestant approach will well out where they will say, you know what, let's just go ahead and share communion and sing Kumbaya, and we'll paper over our differences and worry about them later. Well, that to me is dishonest. That's not true communion. Where does the word communion come from? Common union. People will say, well, you practice closed communion. Yes, we do. Closed communion is the norm, has been the norm in the church for everyone throughout the history of the church, including Protestant churches. In some Methodist churches, you would have to go, you know, during the week before and get a token for communion on that, that, that coming Sunday. And if they didn't know who you were, they wouldn't give you a token. And if you didn't have a token, you didn't get communion. Okay. Open, this open communion has come about since the 60s from this kind of dishonest form of ecumenism, okay? Now, 
I saw, I, I've seen people who are Orthodox take communion in non-Orthodox churches. And that's not a good thing. You don't do that. Okay? Like I said, we, we operate on the principle of we reciprocity. If we can't offer someone something in our church, we don't receive it in their church. We can't offer non-Orthodox communion in our church. Therefore, we do not receive communion in their church. Okay? One time, Bishop Basil gave the most wonderful address I've ever heard. Okay? But it was not a sermon, technically. He had been invited to St. Francis Episcopal Church in Dallas for evening prayer. He gave it after the service, not in the middle. Why? Because we wouldn't allow an Episcopal priest to come and speak during our service. We might have one come afterwards, but not in the middle. Right? So reciprocity. We don't receive communion in other people's churches because we can't offer it to them here. Okay? We're not in communion. That's the honest thing to say. We hope to be in communion. We really do at some point, but we're not there yet. Is that mean? Is that cruel? No, it's just honest. Does everybody understand that? Does anybody have a problem with that? The biggest example, of course, would have been Father Robert's. Father Robert's mother's funeral. I saw a couple people here take communion. They're not here today. I'm not naming names. I already told Father. <laughs> but it was. But I realized that's one of the reasons I wanted to teach this class today was because we don't know, and it's not just catechumens don't know. A lot of us don't know. So when in doubt, and if you do ever have any questions about something like this, ask Father. Ask him. Don't ever be afraid to ask him anything. Just playing the devil's advocate, you can always say that's their holy bread. What? Well, in other words, a non-Orthodox can come up and get the holy bread. They can't get. They can get it at the door. Hmm? They can get it at the door, but not. They're not going to come up and get communion. They can get a blessing. Yeah, they get a blessing, and then they walk to the side and they get the holy bread in, in the Eastern Rite. It's, it, but it's not the same as communion. Well, I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm prefacing that by saying oh. the devil's advocate because you know it's the. They're thinking it's not. They're not thinking it's to you, Christian. Get body, behind but. me, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, no. See, that's the thing about yeah. And they. And here's the thing: is like in the bulletin for Father Robert's mother's funeral, they had, if you believe in the Holy Trinity and this is the true presence, you can receive communion. So some people did. They shouldn't have. Because no matter, yeah, this is an Episcopal church, yeah. Okay, the Catholics will offer you, oh, you're Orthodox, you can receive communion today, here you go. Nope. <laughs> just do that. And it's not disrespectful, it's just being honest. You know, I went up, I received a blessing of the priest, you know, at, at his funeral, because it would have been real awkward because I was a pallbearer if I'd gotten out of line. But that's okay. I just did this when it came time for communion. Just do that. During the regular mass, yes. uh, the priest always, or Father Mark, says, you know, if you're not orthodox, come to the left side of the rail, you know, get a blessing. Yes. I've noticed during funerals, he doesn't say that. And I've seen a lot of people at our funerals 
Well, sometimes it's because they, they automatically, like, like I know one funeral we had, they automatically set the, the, the pallbearers to the right. And so I, I was on the right, and we had to make do. Um, and I did my, not this, I can't believe this is not a blessing that I do. You know. Well, it's also at a funeral, it's very awkward because you have the beer right in, yes. right in the center of the aisle. Yeah, so it's so awkward it's to awkward switch sides around the many. casket. You know, if that guy in the middle just get out of the way, then we wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> so, yes. The issue in the Eastern Church, I was always taught yes. not to even pray with others that were not Orthodox. And there are some who will say, don't even pray with those who are not Orthodox. Um, I'm, not, I'm not encouraging it because I'm not sure I believe that. The ones, now, who I would especially apply that to is, is non-Christians. Okay, so like when we went, when we visit, went to visit, um, we were in Istanbul, Constantinople, Tompoli, <laughs> for our Greek friends. Um, we went to the Blue Mosque. Now, some of my classmates would not even go in, based on that principle. Now, some of us went in, we didn't pray, or we prayed silently to ourselves, please let this be a church someday, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a story. We were told a story on, um, you take a bus from Thessaloniki to, to Istanbul, right? Constantinople. And um, they were telling about one, one person, when it's customary when, you're, when you pass a church to make the sign of the cross, right? So this monk was on the bus, and he was, every time he'd see a, a church, he'd make the sign of the cross. Well, then they passed over into Turkey. And, of course, most of the mosques there were churches that were turned into mosques. And instead of crossing himself, he would cross the... <laughs> yes. So, yes, sir? What about a Coptic church? Okay, so the a Coptic church, we technically are still not in communion with them. Okay? Um, we're the closest... Not that I've been going to a lot of Coptic churches. No, please. Please. And, and, and you know what? I almost can always use... You know, there's there's quotes from Coptic saints and all. They're wonderful. I mean, I've I went to lunch. Father, a priest and I went to lunch with with a Coptic priest, and we got to talking about what we believe and everything else. They believe the same thing we do. We're this close to communion with them. We're just not there yet. In cases of emergency, there are times when, like, if you were stuck in the middle of Egypt and there was no other Orthodox church around, you would you might receive permission to receive communion in a Coptic church, and vice versa. But we're, we're technically not in communion yet, but we're close. So if you're going to go anyplace else, Coptic is fine. If you want to stand for three hours barefoot, um, which is what their liturgy is, but that's okay. But no, I, I, you know, they believe the same thing we do, that we're just not technically in communion yet. Two other questions. Yes, two questions. Christian, uh, Christians of St. Thomas, uh, who are clearly Orthodox from... Uh, that that same thing applies to the Coptics. Okay. And the other was... Same thing applies to the Coptics, because they're both non-Chalcedonian Orthodox. They're, whereas in this country we would refer to them as Oriental Orthodox instead of Eastern Orthodox. Instead of Scoba, they have Scooch, Standing Conference of Oriental Orthodox Canonical Hierarchs or something like that. Armenians, Coptics, uh, Syriac, like there's a Patriarch of Antioch who's actually Syriac. Uh, not, not 
Melkite, as we're called. We're called Melkite, technically. Um, but now Melkite normally refers to the, the Roman Catholics who were, are like us. So it gets confusing. But yeah, uh, but they're, they're the ones who are, they're all in communion with each other, but they're called Oriental Orthodox, and we're the Eastern Orthodox. Were they separated from Monophysitism? Basically, it was a misunderstanding. We thought they were Monophysites, and they thought we were preaching heresy, so they did not subscribe to the Council of Chalcedon. That's one of the honest efforts of ecumenism that has paid off, is that especially in the 20th century, we had many, many dialogues, and we figured out, oh, wait, we're, we're, we're saying the same thing. We're emphasizing something different. It's miathocyte versus, uh, uh, I forget the other term, but, but it's, they're not, we don't refer to them as monophysites anymore. Is there going to be a quiz after this? Yes, I will be. I will be videotaping the next liturgy, and I will be critiquing each of you on how you perform your liturgical actions. So, any other questions? Thank you for coming. Great class. Thank you. Appreciate it.